a legacy of caring. Hey everyone, Ben here. Today we're going to take a little bit of time and talk about something that's coming down the tubes for us inside of Jacobs, something that we're trying to step up our game on, and that's safety and design. So I've got a guest on today, Neil Bramall. But before I get to that, I want to share with you the mission that the organization has set out for themselves with respect to safety and design, is that will help frame up the conversation you're about to hear. To achieve healthier, safer, and more sustainable design solutions by embedding an approach in the business management system which holds management accountable and actionably leads safety and design to become second nature in our business. That, my friends, is a pretty lofty mission. Now, you might remember, or you could actually see if you really t lift your head up and look around, that the work that we do impacts all of our communities, impacts the people around us, touches people in their day-to-day -day lives, whether that's their commute, that's the water that they drink every day. All of those things are connected to the work we do because people go to work and work in those facilities that we design. People commute on those facilities that we leave behind. So as we get into this conversation with Neil, I want you to picture how all of the components of this come together to not only improve our product of design, but improve what we leave behind and what is around for generations to come in terms of serving the communities that we live in. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. If you have some questions, we have some recommendations on how you get more information at the end of the podcast. So enjoy it. And here's Neil Bramhall. Neil, why don't you tell us a bit about you? Okay, I can do that. Hello, everybody. I am from the UK, born in England, started my career in 1979, working for British Nuclear Fuels, um, which was a highly specialised thing. I, I used to design and build plutonium finishing lines for fuel rods for fast breeder reactors. So not a lot of people know that. And I very quickly decided that was very niche and it wasn't going to scratch my itch. I wanted to travel, I wanted to see the world and I decided that engineering might let me do that but that kind of engineering probably wasn't going to let me do that so I went and broadened my horizon, started to work in the petrochemical and um, offshore industries, worked most of the 90s in Aberdeen um, offshore, went to Australia a couple of times, worked in Holland and Denmark and Sweden. Um, and then I immigrated to Canada in 1999, came over here to um, build hydro treaters. Canada had recently passed um, legislation to reduce sulfur and gasoline, so I came and I built hydro treaters for Shell and Imperial Oil and Ultramar in Quebec City. Then I moved and I started to work on refineries. I was on a huge job for Suncor never got built, spent seven years of my life on a project. They spent billions of dollars, put, bought all kinds of equipment, did all kinds of civil work and then canceled the project because it was not financially viable. Then in 2012, I came to CH2M Hill, worked in what used to be called ENC, became OGC, moved into the water business group in, the, in an operations role. And from there, we all know the history, SLG, now Jacobs, BI, a and now PP and S, so positive yeah. history. I mean, fun fact: when you first came to Canada and you were doing one of those hydro treater jobs for Imperial mm -hmm. Oil, uh, Neil and I actually 
worked on the same project, though not on the same piece of that project. But we, uh, our paths nearly crossed. I'm sure we walked the same hallways, but we didn't know each other at the time. Yeah, we know a lot of the same people. Yeah, true story. And now you're leading our design group here in Canada. Scary, right? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so recently taken up this role as um, the regional design lead. um, Took over from Mike Bidwell, who did a really good job over the last few years. And so I stepped into this role just in October there, um, trying to get my feet under the table and understand what it means and what I'm supposed to do. Um, Getting there, I think. Yeah, Yeah, and I think... You know, for people out there, you're probably going to hear Neil on the podcast a few times. We have a lot of topics he and I could talk about, likely for long periods of time. But, you know, to focus in on safety and design today, you know, given your background, starting in the nuclear business, coming through, you know, that business that has a tendency to go boom um, if things go wrong um, and moving into the infrastructure business over time in your career, you've been exposed to a lot of different approaches to different things. And as we're going to roll out safety and design, I thought it was a good chance to chat with you about it. So, you know, I've shared the mission statement as a lead in to the podcast today, but you want to maybe just talk about what is safety and design? Oh, okay. So at its very base level, it's taking our safety culture Everybody knows what Beyond Zero is, our culture of caring, how we think about each other and making sure that we all are always safe. We go home in the same condition we come to work. It's taking that idea and pushing it into the deliverables and the projects that we do for our clients, right? So we think about ourselves, hey, we have our safety moments, our culture of caring moments in all our meetings to make sure that people are aware of things taking that idea and pushing it into making sure that the construction people are safe while they're building our projects and the operations and maintenance people are safe while they're looking, they're actually operating and maintaining our projects. And even pushing it all the way to the end and thinking about how we would cut up a plant, decommission it and take it away at the end of the day. So it's taking the whole um, beyond zero culture and embedding it into everything that we do from soups and from soups and nuts on our on our design projects so what does that mean you know driving this culture and hse into design as a process you know a lot of the times we're so early you know, you're, you're looking at an empty space where whatever we're, we're in the design process is is ultimately going to be a facility or or something that's being operated by you know real people what does driving that into the design mean? Like, what does it? What would it mean to me if I, if someone actually trusted Ben to do real design? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> so, a lot of people will know what a, what the hazard process is, right? So, the hazard process was introduced like 20, 30 years ago, where you look at how a plant is going to be. Um, what the operational um, idea behind the plant is, right? So you take the PNIDs, you go through, do we, and you actually say you have a bunch of prompts and, and, and you, you build a, um, a process risk register, really, in the simplest of terms. Do we have the right equipment, the right pumps, the right valves, the correct piping specifications, control systems? Is everything what it's supposed to be 
to make this plant? Do we look at catastrophic events, right? Or what can go wrong with this plant from a process perspective? And we build a checklist, you would say is a risk register, and then through the life of the project, you make sure that you manage those risks, right? You either design them out or you mitigate them in some way. This is going to be very like that, right? So we are going to encourage people with a bunch of questions and, and go-bys and lessons learned to have a look at, hey, is this the best practice? What am I doing here? Which are the, which are the things that I have to access the most, right? I have a hand wheel that the operator has to turn every day or an instrument that the operator has to look at every day. Don't go sticking that under a platform sort of person's got to get down on their hands and knees to go and have a look at what the pressure gauge is saying, for example. Make sure it's out in the open and accessible, right? So if you think about things like, simple things like ladders versus stairs, accessibility to things like pressure gauges, we affect the mental health of the operator. He sat in the control room thinking, Ugh, I've got to go and do that stupid round today. I've got to climb all those ladders. I've got to climb under that platform. I've got to go and find the reading on that instrument that's buried in the back half of whatever it is. And I've got to go and turn that hand wheel where I'm down on my hands and knees and basically I'm, I'm in a puddle of water or whatever it is, right? We can make that person's day much better by making that stuff all accessible. Ladders versus stairs, right? If a flowing route and a walk through a plant is much better than running up and down ladders. We're removing the opportunity to have maybe an accident or an incident of some kind. If we start to think about those things at the inception of the design and make sure that we're prompting ourselves to say, is this the best way to do this particular thing? Yes or no? And then designing the, the best way in from the beginning. If that makes sense, I hope. Yeah, in its most simplistic form, you know, in my simple mind, right, you're trying to envision the things that could happen later in either the use or the maintenance or um, even the reclamation of, of that facility and trying to use decision making during the design process to help de-risk that part of life with that plant. Is, it, is that yeah, right? That, like, yeah, yeah. So, so you in, said that in a lot fewer words than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the benefit of you saying it yeah. to me first. So, so you know, in in like simple terms, you know, I, I've seen an example of this. You and I, you and I both have, where a light bulb burning out in a facility translated into the need for scaffolding to reach or or a, a JLG to reach the light to change it. So, some special equipment oh, yeah. to do something as simple as a light bulb change you know, making a change at the design phase to design that out of the design is not only free or cheap at the design phase, but the long-term positive impact on the people that own and operate the plant. Sometimes that's us, sometimes that's other people. Sounds like a win-win, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we, all, we live in the world of memes now, right? And tell me that you've not seen the photograph of the big electrical ladder in the middle of a swimming pool <laughs> the little guy on the top of the ladder trying to change a light bulb yeah yeah, yeah. just don't do that right these these things they're then, avoidable in they're the very phase. avoidable yeah now but they're avoidable if you are able to think of the right things at the right time, the right time yeah. and yeah. so is the process then that's going to facilitate or prompt 
that thinking during our design yeah, process? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, the, the process is being developed. Um, we, we have a two-year roadmap. Um, the whole SID or Safety and Design Initiative is born out of the UK and it's being led by Suki Hogwood, who is driving it for the company. Um, there's a two-year roadmap to get a finished process. We're doing some pilot projects, one of which is Northwest Langley. So Chris Wilson, um, Marek Ritajcek and, and Bryce McGowan are all involved. Bryce is what we call him the champion over in the, on the West Coast. Um, we're going to involve some people in the East and some more in Alberta here where we generally do most of our design projects and we're going to develop, help develop, right? We're going to have input into the way that the process is going to work. I think that's great going through and, and helping develop some consistency here, but this isn't really new, right, Neil? Like no, no, no. Well, no, you're right, it's not. And, and what we're trying to do is prompt good behavior, basically. I mean, we have a region and a company full of really good engineers, right? People think about these things all, all along, right? But we just don't record it, right? You think about when we go into a design review. You sit and you go through your design with a client or internally and what we do is we note all the things that we've not done well right move this change that make this better these are the kinds of comments that we make right and the things that we have to go back and correct after a design review is finished well just imagine if we started to write down the things that we did well as well and we started to record them and say this is a really good idea the way that we did this design is really good we should continue to do that and push that into all the other designs right you think about the uh, water treatment plant at the region of Peel, the Lakeview plant, right? So this is a, a design where we do not have any confined spaces. Every um, elevation changes by stairs. Every light bulb is accessible, at least from a, from a short ladder climb, right? There's no scaffolding required. This is almost the dream job, right? We did a really good job of that. We won some awards for it. We won awards for it. It's an award-winning project, that's right. And, and we want to take that and we just want to continue to do the good work there all the time. Yeah, right? consistently. Cons it, consistently, right? yeah. I mean, the way I see processes like this is, and that this hinges on a little bit of my employment history too, right? Having something consistent that we use anywhere in the company means, one, it's easy for you to engage in something that's not in the place where you do work every day and understand where you're at and the, the way that problem is being approached. But secondly, it also means as a minimum, as a firm, we will be putting things out where we know we followed these processes, mm -hmm. right? And we've tried to think through those things that could happen in the future and, and done our best to manage away the risk or provide some level of mitigation or protection and think about the things that could happen at various phases of use of those plants, right? Yeah. And that means not just on certain jobs where we have the people with the right background experience exposure to things going wrong. I mean, this for me is a little bit of learning the lessons without having the all of us having to experience the failures the pain, that teach yeah. us the lessons, no, right? So we've been talking a lot about this in the sense of facilities design. Is this process going to be applied to all of the types of design projects that we do, Neil? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's easy to talk about facilities, right? Because people walk through them every day and, and, and have to operate them and maintain them, right? But 
yes, it's going. The, the roadmap is going to help us be safe during a bridge and a road project and a conveyance project. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be far-reaching, much more far-reaching than just facility-type projects. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. What scares you about rolling this out? Nothing really scares me, right? I mean, we have a really good team of engineers in this country where we are, and, and this company, where we are thinking about a lot of these things already. It's part of everybody's ethical DNA to be the best engineer that they can possibly be. Nobody wants to make mistakes. Nobody wants to hurt anybody, right? So we go to work and we think we're going to do the best job that we can possibly be. I just imagine if we underpin that by giving you a a process where you can ask yourself some questions, right? I mean, the, the, the 100 thing out of 100 might be the thing that you forget. And if we have a little checklist, well, then maybe we won't forget it, right? So nothing scares me about it. I think it's the right thing to do at the end of the day. That's pretty convincing, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you talked about there being a two-year roadmap. You got some projects that have been lined up as pilots. So for the rest of us out there that aren't working on those pilot jobs, what should we expect to see in the next little while? How is this going to show up? Is it, is it something that's just going to be dropped on our desk or, will, or what will it feel like? Yeah, well, there's no, there's no magic wand here. Things are not going to pop up overnight. We are building. Um, we're in a building phase. Um, Suki's working hard in the UK. We're doing what we're doing here in Canada. There are going to be communities of practice that pop up, both globally and regionally, hopefully, once we, once we get the message out. So watch this space for more messaging. That's, that's where we are, right? So we're, I'm trying to engage people who want to be engaged, that are passionate about this type of thing. We're going to start to make the pot simmer, and then hopefully we're going to make it boil, and, and people are going to start to to learn about it and then take it to their projects, right? So what we the, the one thing that we've got to be careful about as we go forward is that we are not guaranteeing 100% accident-free projects, right? We can't start to write things like that into our proposals. We are making sure internally that we do our best job effort. This will be a differentiator for us, but we've got to be careful how we advertise it, that's all right. We can't promise perfection, we never promise perfection, we never should promise perfection, but this is going to help us elevate our internal standard of care. So, you know, I'm sure now you've got a lot of people excited about what's coming and people are curious. Is there a way people could find out more information, um, get involved in this process at all or, or even just have access to whatever is out there today just for reference? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, um, I'm around, right? People are always welcome to talk um, on chat, call me. Um, I presume I'm, the other regional design leaders are doing the same thing. Yes. Right. Yes. So reaching out to your regional design leader, yep. asking a question, right. um, reaching out to Neil directly, folks, is, is probably good. Neil's pretty responsive. <laughs> Thanks, Neil, for taking the time today. I know this is one of these things that may be a little difficult to explain just verbally, and over time people will get a chance to understand it more, but I'm pretty excited about where we're taking this thing. The way I've drawn the vision in my mind after listening to you talk about it is this is taking our culture of caring and our behaviors that come from beyond zero 
and in every job where we perform a design, leaving behind a legacy of caring. It's so the right thing to do. It's by far the right thing to do. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. You're welcome.